right. Well, first, I want to start off by asking you a question. What animal can jump higher than a house? What, an- what animal can jump higher than a house? Okay. Oh! All animals can because houses can't jump. And this is sponsored by Dad Joke of the Day. Greatest Christmas gift ever from Byron right here, okay? There you go. That was the joke of the day, and I thought that was funny. All right. So what were some of the things that we talked about last week? Think back to last Thursday. I know, like, so much time has gone by. You can even look in your notes. Yes, Peyton. Thank you. What did we talk about last week, remember? Who is God? Simple little easy question, you know, no big deal or anything. All right. What were some of the things that we talked about in relation to the question, who is God? What were some of the ways even that we answered that question? Just for some review to get us going again. All right. What else did we look at last week? What are we talking about? Yeah. Yeah, God is the beginning of all things, right? I saw somebody going like this. The Trinity. Remember we talked about the Trinity. You guys already forgot about the Trinity? Come on, okay? All right, well, here's a few of the points that we talked about last week. Just for review, God is the beginning of all things. God is not like us because he is God. I think you can go to the next slide there. Uh, God is triune. Meaning, okay, we talked about the Trinity, and God is holy. So even in that last song that we just sang, we sang, you are perfect in all of your ways. That's another way that we would say that God is holy. He's perfect. And the big truth that we looked at last week was because God is creator, sustainer, unlike us, triune and holy, we should trust and follow him. All right, so that was a little bit of a review from last week. So I don't know if you know this or not, but at the end of every year, um, Google releases all of the most uh, searched questions and topics in the year. And I know we're already into February, but I went back and I looked at some of the most searched topics and questions uh, from 2023. And I actually then went and looked over the last couple of years. And so when I looked over the last five years of the most Googled God or theological related searches, I actually found some interesting common denominators. All of the questions that people were searching for were basically centered around who is God, what are his desires, and how does God work? So basically, majority of the questions that were most searched on Google the last like five years basically were centered around who is God, what are his desires, And how does God work? What does he do? Which tells me that not only are these pressing questions, but that there are a lot of people trying to figure out, is there a God? What is he like? And how does this God work? What does he do? And I'm sure many of you probably in this room have thought about that or are thinking about those questions. Who is God? What does he do? Well, I'm glad you're here tonight because we're going to look at some of these questions. So, If you have a Bible, go ahead and pull that out. If you need a Bible, raise your hand. We will be glad to get one for you to use tonight. All right. 
So as you kind of get your Bible ready to go there, I'll give you the passage here in a second, but just hold on. So last week we talked about the essence of God, who is God, and so tonight we are going to continue looking at that question, but specifically, what are God's desires? Is God active or passive? And if so, how does he work? And what does that all mean for me? And so the first question I want to ask you, and maybe you've thought about this question, maybe you have heard it before, maybe you've Googled it, I don't know. This is a big question, so we'll see how this goes. What is the will of God? What is God's will? In other words, what does God desire? What does God want? And I want to I'm curious to hear what you think or maybe what you've heard. What is the will of God? Deep question, right? What does God want? What does he desire? What do you think? What do you, any ideas, any thoughts, anything that you've heard before? What is the will of God? Gabby, thanks for taking a jump at this question. All right. Okay, yeah, for us to be close to him. Yeah. Okay, you ought to be his children. Good. Other thoughts? What is the will of God? Yeah, Kira? God's plan. Okay. Good. God's plan. God's purposes. Any other thoughts? What is God's will? What is the desire of God? Yeah, what? Okay, to be transformed. Wait, does that mean we get to be transformers? If so, I want to be a bumblebee. You guys even know what transformers is? Okay. Whoa, okay, I was, just, I was just wondering, gosh, okay, thanks. All right, so what is God's will? Okay, so when we use the word will, it means the desires and goals that direct someone's actions. So what are the motivations behind someone's actions? Because behind every action, there's a desire, right? If you're hungry, you have a desire to eat Therefore, you go and eat something, right? That's the idea here. And so because the Bible is trustworthy and true, we look to the Bible to help us understand what God's motivations are, what his desires are, all right? So open your Bible to the book of John, John chapter 6. So if you open your Bible halfway, go towards the right, eventually you'll hit Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. If you hit 1 John, 2 John, 3 John, you've gone too far, okay? So John chapter 6. All right, John chapter 6. If you need any help getting there, ask a friend, ask a neighbor, make sure you get there. John chapter 6. We're going to look at verse 40. All right, would someone be willing to read this for us, nice and loud? Ready? Sophia, was that a hand? Oh, are you willing? Okay, go ahead. Yeah. All right, so this is Jesus talking here. All right, for this is the will of my Father, that everyone who looks to the Son and believes in him should have eternal life. Life. And so right here, we see a huge piece to helping us understand the will of God. And that is to bring people back into a relationship with himself. To bring back people into a relationship with himself. And you know, 
So many people struggle with the question of what is God's will, right? Maybe you've heard your friends talk about this. You've heard in all kinds of places, what is the will of God anyway? Well, it's interesting to me because if we were to actually open the Bible, Jesus, Jesus literally says, for this is the will of my Father, right? Like this is a question that we wrestle with, and yet it's right here in the Bible, the very breath of God. And now a lot of people will rephrase that and they'll say, what is God's will for me, right? Maybe you've asked that question. What is God's will for me? But I don't think that is a great place to start. The first question should be, what is God's will? Because we go right to the, what's God's will for me? Me, 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 I'm not singing. But what is God's will for myself? But that's not really a good place to start. Because unlike Jesus, we tend to make everything about us rather than about God. And that self-centeredness can actually cause us to miss what God is doing. That we get so caught up in asking God, what's your will from me, that we just totally ignore what is the will of God at all? What does God want? What does he desire? Because if he is creator, sustainer, and holy, maybe he has some thoughts and purposes. And we can make God's story about us rather than him. And yes, your story is important, but your story is a part of a bigger story that stretches all the way back to the beginning of time. Because God is the director of the greatest story ever told, and that story is still unfolding around you right now. And so I want you to think about this. Just take a moment and think about this question. Do you see yourself having a role in God's story? Don't answer or anything. Think about this. Do you see yourself having a role in God's story? Have you thought to yourself, you know what? Does God have a part for me to play in the story that is unfolding right before us? Do I have a part to play in all this, or am I just in the audience on the sideline eating popcorn saying, okay, God, you just do your thing, or does he have a part for you to play? And so this is one aspect to God's will, to bring people back in relationship with himself. And so I want to look at another verse that will help us understand, and I'll just have it on the screen, save you some time. For this is the will of God, your sanctification. Again, another verse that literally says, this is God's will right? Your sanctification, okay? Maybe you're like, whoa, whoa, time out. What is this big spiritual word? All right, can anyone tell me what sanctification means? Any idea what this big spiritual word means? Any, any guesses? The sanctification, right? If this is God's will, and this word helps us understand it, any ideas? Yeah, be... Okay, becoming more like God. Anyone want to add to that? Any other thoughts? Yeah? Okay, to make something holy. I don't know why my voice just cracked there a little bit. Holy, holy. All right, this word sanctification means the pursuit of holiness, right? And maybe you're like, wait a minute. Didn't we just talk about that last week? Because one of the points we talked about is God is holy. And if sanctification is to pursue holiness, and if God is holy... You guys are probably okay enough in math to realize then we should pursue God. 
And so to sanctify means to set something apart for special use, to make them holy. And so God's desire for each and every one of you is to help you be transformed into the image of Jesus and to become spiritually mature, to know and understand the Bible. And so let me ask you this. I'm going to maybe take a moment and think about your childhood or maybe even today. Who knows? How many of you have ever played with Play-Doh? Anybody? Okay, how many of you like love Play-Doh like a lot? All right, okay. I, this, this, is a, this is a safe place. This is a safe place. I, I just, I want to know. I'm not going to turn anybody in. I'm just wondering, has anybody ever just eaten a little piece of Play-Doh? Okay. Okay. Hopefully not like a whole can of it or else you might have some weird bathroom issues. I'm not going to go there. All right. So a lot of you know what Play-Doh is. So since you've used Play-Doh before, you kind of get the idea, right? You open the can, and there's just like this ball of Play-Doh, and you don't just pull it out and go, masterpiece, this is done, right? You take it out, and you're like, hmm, should I eat this or not? And then you say no. And then you start to take it and mold it, and you try to make stuff out of it, right? You take this piece of clay, and you shape and mold for it to become something, Well, this idea is essentially what sanctification is. And the final result is holiness. And so like us, like Plato, that's who we are. God wants to take us and mold us and shape us to become something. And that something is holiness like God. God wants us to be set apart to become holy. And you know, that's why... Oftentimes, God allows us to go through hard trials because every aspect, the good, the bad, everything in the middle, God uses all of that to mold and shape us to become more and more like Jesus, to help us become more and more like him. And so that's what God wants to do. He wants to shape you towards holiness, to be set apart from the world. And so if holiness means to be set apart, to be different, if you claim to follow Jesus and are seeking to become more like him daily, then naturally you are going to feel more and more out of place and different from the world. Because so many times as Christians we think, man, it's really hard to fit in and to be like everybody else. But God's desire is actually for you to not fit in. Instead, he wants you to be set apart, to be different. Because the world wants to follow after sin. And God says, no, I actually want you to be set apart, to be different and follow me. And so as you grow closer and closer to Jesus and you seek to become more and more like Jesus in your life, you should not be surprised if you feel more and more out of place. And I hope you do feel out of the world because Jesus himself says in John 15, you are not of the world. And so why do we try so hard to fit in to a place that we were never meant to fit into? Because God wants you to be set apart 
And so here's the will of God in a nutshell for our time and purpose tonight. God's will is for people to be in a restored relationship with himself and for us to become more like him. God wants us to be in a restored relationship with him and for us to become more like him, which means turning away from sin and turning to Jesus. All right, and so again, this is a long, loaded question, but for our time and purposes tonight, this is what the scriptures talk about. All right, and so if this is God's will, if this is God's desire then does that mean that God is active about this? Or is he just lounging in heaven, kind of watching all of us run around and figure out life, right? Where is God in all of this? And so if you're taking notes, the first point is God's will is restored relationship. God's will is restored relationship. And so secondly, God actively pursues. Now, what does the word pursue actually mean? And this is helpful for us to understand the context here. Yeah, to put work into. There's action involved. It's setting a goal and working to achieve it. Whether you realize it or not, you pursue things every day, right? You pursue getting good grades or playing sports or Whatever the case may be, you set a goal and you work towards achieving it. And maybe some of you can think of a goal in your life or maybe in the past that you've set and you've worked really hard to achieve it. Maybe you can think of goals you have right now. And maybe you can think about how much time, effort, energy, and sacrifice you put in to that goal. I'm sure all of us could take time to list goals that we are working towards And maybe you've sacrificed a lot of time and energy to reach those goals, right? And so for me, when I was thinking about setting goals, one thought to me comes all the way back when I was in high school, I was in marching band. And if you think it's lame, come at me, bro. Come at me. I dare you. Uh, Yeah. Thank you. And I played trumpet. And again, if you're like, oh, he's in marching band, come at me. I will take you. I loved marching band. It was awesome. It was so cool. So this is me, my senior year, and I played trumpet. Yeah, look at, look at that tall feather, man. I was like, I could clean everything with that feather on my head. It was awesome. Now, my senior year in high school, I was playing in the marching band, and I was given the opportunity to have this huge solo in one of our performances. You know, if you've seen marching bands, you know, like at some point in the halftime show, the band goes out and they, they do their whole they thing, they, you know, move around and do all the things, right, and they play music. Well, the band director said, Nick, I have a solo for you and I want you to learn it. And he said, now, before you say yes, I want you to know that when you play this solo, you will be the only one in the band playing on the field. And so just for reference, our band had 160 people in it. So it was a pretty big band. So I was the only person on the field playing this solo. And I think this picture is actually during that solo right in there somewhere, which is kind of cool. And so I was, I was stoked. I'm like, this is like the dream. I've arrived. This huge solo in front of everybody. 
you know, here I am. And so I spent hours and hours practicing and playing. There were so many days that I would play my trumpet so much that I would literally finish and then I couldn't even talk or anything. And like, I remember one night I went out to like ask my mom a question. I was like, and she was like, are you okay? I was like, and she thought, she almost called like 911 because she was so nervous about me, but my lips were so numb from playing. And one time I actually practiced for so many hours that my lips actually started to bleed because that's how much I was practicing this solo. And it sounds weird, but I wanted to make sure that this was perfect. And I was so passionate about getting this solo down. I was actively pursuing this goal. I spent time energy, literally blood, to get this solo. But you know what? I got the solo, and it was awesome. I got to play it in front of like hundreds of people. We went and did competitions. We even went to um, Virginia Beach and competed in this like huge convention, and it was, it was awesome. And I say all that to say that when we are passionate about a goal, we tend to do whatever it takes, right? If you can think of a goal that maybe you're working on right now, you're probably willing to do whatever it takes to achieve that goal. And if we are willing to do that, to go above and beyond for those goals, how much more will God pursue his goals? Because God desires to be in a restored relationship with you, but sin prevents you from ever finding or working your way towards him. And so, because we can't do anything to earn that restored relationship with God, God pursued us. God pursued us. And so, turn over a couple pages to John chapter 3. Go to John chapter 3. And we're going to look at verse 16. And maybe you've heard of this verse before. But I want us to really... Consider what this verse says. So John chapter 3, verse 16. And would someone like to read that for us? John 3, 16. Anybody? Julio? All right. And maybe you've heard this verse before. Maybe you're familiar with it. Or if you don't know much about the Bible, maybe you've heard of it before. It's very popular and for a reason. But I don't want you to become too familiar with this verse that you kind of gloss over what it says. Because God is in active pursuit of you. And how do you know that? Because it says, for this is how God loved the world. This God who is creator, sustainer, unlike us, triune and holy, he loves you. This God of the universe, he loves you. And so how do you know that God actively pursues us? Because he loves you. And how do we know that? He gave his one and only son. God is active. How? Why? Because he gave his one and and only Son, Jesus. And so how should we respond? What is God's desire for that gift? So that everyone who believes in him will not perish, but have eternal 
life. How do we respond? What's God's desire for this gift? He says, believe in what Jesus has done and you will receive everlasting life. You will have a restored relationship with God who is holy, creator, sustainer, and a good, good father. But praise the Lord, God didn't just give us this gift and walk away. He didn't say, okay, you know what? Here's Jesus. Good luck. I'll see you later. But God is still actively pursuing you. And I want you to think about that. God is pursuing you right now, tonight. So many times we think, you know what? God doesn't really care about me. He's not even aware of me. But God knows you, and he is pursuing you. How do we know that? Well, the Bible tells me so. Okay, look at a couple of verses. John 12, Jesus says, I will draw everyone to myself. James says, draw near to God and he will draw near to you. John 6, no one can come to the Father who, uh, no one can come to me unless the Father who sent me draws him. It means he's pulling us. He's actively pursuing us. And so once you place your faith in Jesus, God continues to actively work in your life. And did you know that God wants a relationship with you? And he's working on trying to restore that relationship with you right now. But even when you place your faith in Jesus, God doesn't say, okay, we're good. See ya, next person. No. Look at what the Bible also says. Jeremiah 18. O Israel, can I not do to you as the potter has done to his clay? As the clay is in the potter's hand, so are you in my hand. And Ephesians 2 says, For we, for you, are his workmanship. Maybe your Bible says masterpiece, created in Christ Jesus for good works, which God prepared ahead of time for us to do. And so, you are like clay in the potter's hand. We are like clay in God's hands, continually being molded and shaped to become more like Jesus. And God says, you know what? You are my masterpiece. You are my workmanship, created for good works. And you have a purpose. God has a purpose for you. And so our desire then could be to look less like ourselves and look more like Jesus. And that's why Paul says, be imitators of me as I am of Christ. And so the good news is that God is actively pursuing you and working in your life. And so, friends, we serve an active, involved, loving God. We don't serve a distant, careless unloving God. God is active and loving, and he cares about you. How do we know that? God shows his love for us in that while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. And I love this verse. If you're looking for a verse to memorize, here you go. God shows his love for us. If you ever want to know does God really love me? And if he does, I wish he would show me how much he loves me. How much does God love us? Because while you are still a sinner, 
while you are messed up and broken and imperfect, God sent Jesus to die for you. God didn't say, you know what, Nick, why don't you get your life together, get yourself cleaned up, fix all of your problems and mistakes, and then come to me. No, it says, God loved us that while we were sinners, Christ died for us. And so this is who God is. This is who God is. And he wants a relationship with you. And so then, the question you might have is, okay, well, how does God actively work in your life? How does God work in your life? Does he work in your life? Well, this isn't an all-encompassing list, and it's going to be a little brief, but here are a few ways that God works in your life. So if you've ever wondered, does God work or do anything in my life? Here you go. Here's just a couple. Number one, through the Bible, and again, I won't go in too in-depth in that, but God works through his word, the very breath of God. And so I don't know about you, but I've often thought a lot in my life, man, wouldn't it be cool if I could just sit down and have a cup of coffee with God? Anyone else ever wonder about that? Anybody? Like, what would it be like if I could just sit down and have a cup of coffee with God? What would he say? What would he do? What would he be like? Right? Me and God just roll into Starbucks and grab a wrap a mappuccino and we just hang out. What would it be like to have a coffee and sit down with God? But you know what's amazing? All you have to do is sit down with a cup of coffee or tea and open God's word. If you've ever wanted to sit down and talk to God and figure out who he is, what he's like, all you have to do is open the Bible. That's all you have to do. Because this is the word of God. And if you missed um, a couple weeks ago when we talked about this, I encourage you to go back and listen to it. All right. The second way that God works is through prayer. God works through prayer. And if you've ever thought, man, I feel like God's not talking to me, maybe you're not talking to him. Maybe you're not listening. Because God works in and through prayer. Because he wants a relationship with you. And spoiler alert, relationships require conversation. And so if you have a relationship with God and you never ever talk to him, how's that relationship going? Hmm? Because the reality is, do you really have a true relationship with people who you don't talk to? Do you have a true relationship with people that you don't talk to? And so if you have a relationship with God, man, talk to him. So take time to talk with God. All right? A couple more. Number three, how does God work? Through the church, the body of Christ, the people of God getting together. And so God works in and through his people, the local gathered people of God. And so, yes, there are Christians all over the world in all kinds of places who are following Jesus and worshiping together. But God works and speaks through his people, us as a church, fellowship church, us together, getting together 
to read and study God's word. And so God works and moves and speaks through his people. And so if you don't ever go to church, if you don't ever hang out with other followers of Jesus, if you don't ever come on a Sunday morning or get involved in serving like the Kids Easter Festival, all of those things, if you don't do any of that, then you might not always see God working a lot in your life. Or you might not hear him very much. And so I would encourage you to consider what it means to connect to the body of Christ. And number four, how does God work? Through circumstances. Through situations in our lives. And I love this verse in Genesis. As for you, you meant evil against me, but God meant it for good. And so there have been times in my life that I knew that God was working through what was happening in my life. And so one example was a number of years ago, I was really praying about where God might lead us next. So a number of years ago, I was in a place in life where I was like, God, I don't know what you are doing in my life. I'm not sure where I'm supposed to go, what I'm supposed to do. I remember struggling, having lots of tears, going, God, I don't know what you want me to do and where you want me to go. Because I thought I'm going this way, and then it seemed like all of a sudden God had me going this way, and then it felt like I just came to a standstill. And I remember this time in my life, and there was one evening, pretty late, I got a phone call for Pastor Mark. And when the pastor who officiated your wedding, that you know pretty well, but calls you late, like 9.30, 10 o'clock on a Wednesday evening, when I saw the phone ringing and it was Pastor Mark, I was like, uh-oh, like, what did I do? <laughs> like, uh-oh, I was like, <clears throat> I think I like took a swig of water. I think I checked my breath. I'm like, why am I, it's, it's a phone call. I don't know, I'm so confused. But I was like, why is he calling me? And this is what he says. Hey, any chance we can meet up tomorrow? And I was like, oh, like, like, tomorrow, tomorrow? He's like, yeah, yeah, like tomorrow. And I'm like, like, why are you calling me this late? And why do you want to meet up tomorrow? And so I rearranged my schedule and I drove down to meet him. And so the next day we met and talked for a couple hours. And it was through that conversation, through the body of Christ, through that circumstance, that conversation, I began to feel as if God was doing something. That God was actively working in my life. And so then I drove all the way back home, and I sat down, and I told Laura, I think we need to start praying about the possibility of moving to Dallas, Pennsylvania. And she was like, what? And I'm like, I think we need to pray about moving to Dallas. And she's like, yeah, I know you said that, but what? And that began the conversation. And now, all these years later, here we are. Because God works through circumstances, conversations, and people in our lives. But remember, you have to filter those circumstances through how God works and his word. Because God would never tell you to do something that the Bible says, don't do that. You know how many times over the years, someone's like, I think God is calling me to do this or go there or whatever. I'm like, well, the Bible says don't do that and don't go there, so I'm going to tell you that's not God speaking. 
And so if you want to know what God wants to do in your life, read his word. And that's why we need to understand. And it's also important, though, that you don't take this and go, you know what? That means I'm going to test God. How many times maybe have you said, you know what, God, show me a sign if you want me to do this. Help me find a sign. But if you live every moment of every day like that, you will be led astray because you will have a clouded view of who God is. And if you're looking for a sign on what you should do, read the Bible. I don't know how many times I'm going to say it, but there you go. Read the Bible. And number five, how does God work? Through his son, Jesus. And this is what we call special revelation. God revealing himself in a very specific way. And that special revelation is Jesus Christ. Because if God is triune, if you want to learn more about him, we must look to Jesus, who is Emmanuel, God with us. Because everything you learn and read about Jesus points us to God. All right, and so those are just five ways that God works. Again, that's not all-inclusive. There's just a few to start with. So you'll have some more time to talk in your small groups tonight. I know we covered a lot, but here's what I want you to really focus on tonight and take this. God wants a relationship with you. Not like just you, like God wants a relationship with each and every one of you individually. Because listen to what Jesus says in Revelation. Behold, I stand at the door and knock. If anyone hears my voice and opens the door, I will come in and eat with them, and he with me. And so God's desire is to be in a relationship with you, and he's actively pursuing and working in your life. Jesus is knocking. He's standing at the door, and he's knocking, and he's saying, I want a relationship with you. And so the question that you have to think about is how will you respond to Jesus knocking? Because he is actively knocking and he wants a relationship with you. And so here are your two responses. You can open that door or you can ignore it. Those are the two choices. If you say, Jesus, not right now, I'm kind of living my life, I'm kind of doing my own thing, that's ignoring it. Because right now, Jesus is knocking at the door of your life. He's saying, I want to do a work in your life. And so will you open the door and invite him in or will you ignore him? And so my recommendation for what it's worth is that you accept that invitation because it's through Jesus Christ that you can have a restored relationship with him. And if you've never opened the door to let Jesus in, what are you waiting for? What's holding you back? Because following Jesus will be the best decision you will ever make in your life, guaranteed. So tonight, we looked at God's will, his active pursuit, and his ways of working. And so it's important that you understand what we talked about tonight. Because what we talked about last week and tonight is really important because it's going to help us set the stage for what we will talk about next week. Because God wants a relationship with us and we think, oh man, that means life's going to be easy, it's going to be great, yay, it's going to be all, huh. But you know what? There's also this guy named Satan who's trying to actively keep us 
from following after God. And so next week, the question we're going to look at is, who is Satan? Who is this guy? Is he just like running around with a little pitchfork? Who, who is he? So we're going to look about that. We're going to look at that next week. And so before we go to small groups, let me pray. God, thank you so much that you actively pursue us. Thank you that you desire a relationship with us. And so God, I pray that if there's anyone here tonight that hears you knocking at the door of their heart, the door of their life, that they would turn the handle in faith and open that door and accept that invitation and that they would place their faith in you and follow you with their head, with their heart, with their lives. So God, thank you for our time in the word and I pray that you would lead and guide us as we talk and discuss and reflect on it a little more. And it's in your name we pray, amen. All right, so go ahead and find your small groups. You guys will have some time to reflect, process, chew on this a little bit, and then uh, we'll see you in a little